You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. What's that, Mickey, that you're holding in front of your face? This is a a temperate a thermometer because I'm feeling a little peaked. Uh-oh. I want to make hope, sure. Hope you don't have COVID, Mickey. Yeah, so do I. Person of your age? That could be trouble. 96.9, baby. Wait, I, I actually, I don't want to alarm you, but I think I heard that a lower than average temperature can be, I'm sorry, this is not funny, but I think I actually heard that that, can, I'm sorry, can be as, why are you laughing at I my don't imminent know, demise? That, that, never mind, can be a symptom of COVID. I think I actually heard that. It's I'm, not funny. I'm sure that's true, but but that is this is. I'm usually ninety-seven point something. This isn't that far off. <clears throat> Plus, skin, it's only skin temperature, so it's not a it's not. Uh, you know, the I'm, gold I'm sorry for laughing. People have to understand that if you if if you've known Mickey as long as I have, you know that he's a little uh, touchy about the prospect of being ill. He's a little. You wouldn't deny that, right? I wouldn't go so so far as to call you germaphobic. Actually, I would, but anyway. I'm definitely germaphobic. Why wouldn't you be germaphobic? Do you like germs? <laughs> See what I mean? Okay, sorry. Anyway, maybe I didn't read that, and maybe it's actually good news that you're feeling terrible and have... <clears throat> I just feel a little under the weather. I've had a tough week. Uh have to do my taxes. Anyway. Yeah, that's bad. We're um, We're testing Woody Allen's theory that 90% of life is showing up. We've shown up for this We've podcast. There you go. And, uh, yes. So, uh, plus, if there are any transfers of power during this, they will be peaceful. We're pledging that, right? I'm not pledging it. Well, you know, you we have something in common with a hero of yours then, Mickey. Well, I thought that was a bad answer that he gave. Good. Uh, but it's a hard, it's hard, you know, they're trying to nail him to the wall and, you can see why he gets his back up. They're trying to to say, no matter what tricks we pull, are you going to knuckle under? And, and you know, and he resists that because he thinks they're going to pull a lot of tricks. And I, I think they're going to pull a lot of tricks. And there have been these war games that. Uh, what they're going to pull been, more tricks than the Republicans are going to pull? Well, I think each side is going to pull tricks. So um, okay, I'm and that's always I'm, been true. And yet, all other presidents in the history of the universe have been willing to answer a question like that with a simple yes. Well, I think the better answer would be: we have a constitution, and I intend to follow it, and I assume it will be followed. And you know, that's I was going to the answer. I was going to ask you if it if if you don't agree with me that anyone who is worthy of being president obviously is going to answer a question like that in the affirmative and then elaborate if they want, but at least answer it in the affirmative. But it's pretty clear to me now that you, you don't agree. You're not going, no, you're I, not I, going I, to concede as I simply would, as that, that he's not worthy of the I would not give the, I would not just give a flat yes answer. I would, I would give a. You wouldn't a, have said yes at any, if you were president, you would not have answered that question. Yes. A peaceful, a peaceful transfer of power. In other words, we're not going to kill anybody. You wouldn't have said yes. Uh, I I I would have sub- said something that basically said yes in 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 a longer 
you Why know, not a just longer say, iteration. You know, Mickey. Because he's not in the business of, 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 of dancing to the tune of hostile reporters in the press who say, you know, admit you're going to, you're, you know, it, it, there was something troubling about the question. He's, he's, he's had, not he, in the habit of doing it. That's your, that's the reason you would do it too. I wouldn't be in the habit of doing it either. It's, 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 he, he got into trouble before with the whole coronavirus thing when I admit when he, he should have taken it more seriously and he fell for Rush Limbaugh who said it was a liberal plot to destroy the economy. Uh, but I understand why he gets his backup. Mickey, even the, uh, the formerly, Uncompromisingly never Trump, but now uncompromisingly pro-Trump National Review. They ran an editorial and this is like by the editors and it, and it said, sometimes the smart thing to do is just answer a question with a simple yes. And then they said, even a small child is capable of doing that. Ooh, that's a serious, I mean, this is, this is how egregious what he did is, is that, is that that was a serious burn coming from the generally pretty, you would agree, pretty slavishly pro-Trump National Review, right? They're not slavishly pro-Trump, Bob. They ran a whole issue, special issue called Against Trump. You remember right, that? That was when they were uncompromisingly never Trump, right? <laughs> okay. Well, they, but they're not uncompromisingly pro-Trump at the moment. Look, he should have effectively answered yes. Do you, do you, do you just say yes and move on? I don't think so. I think you say something that implies that you expect well, the say, other side, you expect Mickey, the other side to abide by the Constitution too. Mickey, saying yes and moving on would have been a massive improvement over what he did. He, he would didn't have been say an yes at any point. It, it would have been an improvement, but it's the, not what I, I would have said. Uh, we expect both sides to adhere to the Constitution, which results in a peaceful transfer of power. The other thing is he is so stunningly inarticulate. You know, they talk about Biden, and it's true Biden's brain is not what it used to be. But but Trump, this was classic Trump, that, you know, what he said was, well, there's, there's a span there where he, where he basically says, well, you know, I don't like the ballots. If there was no ballots... If there's no ballots, then there, 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 there will be, there won't be a transfer. There will be a continuation of power. He at no point in complaining about the ballots adds a modifier to the word ballots to even make clear that he's talking about the mail-in ballots or some subset of the mail-ins or whatever the hell he's talking about. So he makes it so that anyone just kind of tuning in, literally what the most reasonable interpretation would be, he's saying he doesn't want us to vote. He just wants to stay in power. That would be a reasonable interpretation. And and it's it's just amazing to me, um, the, you know. The 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 question also said win, lose, or a draw. What's the draw part? Well, I think we are getting a little pedantic, and I assure you, a, I a question that subtle were, did not no more occur to Donald than Trump. You were just kidding. That that question did not occur to Donald Trump. It's orders of magnitude too subtle. Well, sure, but he he knew that the the reporter was a hostile reporter, so he had his backup from the beginning. Look, the 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 correct answer is you expect a peaceful transition of power. But basically, I'm trying to figure out what bothered me about the question. It's saying whatever tricks the Democrats pull, and if we get the courts to rule in our favor, and we stuff the ballot box, will you accept the peaceful transfer of power and knuckle under? I mean, that's what got his backup. Uh, the, the, the other possibility is, is that he, you know, and, a, and, a, and the right answer was something like what McConnell said, which is we expect the 
constitution to be followed the way it's been followed every time in in our history. Right. It's uh, easy. But, but it's easy. So, but unless here's a question: Did he want to? Does he welcome the blowback well, he got? Th- that's the question: Is does he think it helped him? And my instinct, of course, is that it hurt him because people like you who are people of goodwill were deeply offended and you know you, you're not going to vote for Trump but there are are, are people who who this this is just another example of craziness but he might have been trying to do some jujitsu like seemingly has happened with the riots and the law and order issue which is people say I don't like the riots but I know if I vote for Biden the riots are going to go away so I don't like Trump I'm worried about a coup, but I know if I reelect him, there's not going to be a coup because he's the guy who would pull the coup. So, uh, um, although, you know, in the war game, the Democrats came close to pulling a coup. So it's, um, uh, he may be trying thinking that if he scares people about what happens if he's not reelected, that that somehow helps him. I don't think he's that smart. Um, I will say that I think it was last week that I said, you know, Unfortunately, Steve Bannon's podcast is is often a a harbinger of things to come, and they are clearly laying the groundwork for the argument that mail-in ballots as a class are not not valid, which is an outrageous claim to make for obviously. uh, uh, But but, uh, this seems to me that Trump, I mean, even if he had been clearer about what he meant to say, what he said would be open to that interpretation that I don't know if I can accept these mail-in ballots, you know, that, that he still hasn't clarified that, that position. Well, I think the mail-in process is rife with fraud and the Democrats were wrong to push it, uh, rush it, you know, rush it into practice. And, and I think it's going to, uh, blow back on them because as Tom Edsel wrote in the New York times, they're suppressing their own vote. I mean, mail-in ballots are less reliable than voting in person. And if the Democrats vote mail, you know, just, just, you know, miss, miss postmarks, just the general mistakes that can, can make even among people of good faith. And, uh, so the Democrats, if they, if, if they vote by mail more than the Republicans, then there's a 1% error rate for the mail-in ballots that, the Democrats have suppressed one percent of their vote. That's pretty stupid. Well, but, and um, there's this there's this but, naked ballot thing too, which could be a problem. Well, that's uh, just in Pennsylvania. Well, it depends on how courts rule. The, the naked ballot issue could, in principle, arise in a number of states. But anyway, Pennsylvania is a huge state, and yeah, for the time no, being, the courts have ruled that if people don't do this kind of complicated thing of taking the ballot. Putting it in one envelope, putting it in, then putting that inside the other envelope and mailing that in. In other words, if they skip the intermediate envelope, right. that would be a right. naked ballot. Mail- and under under the latest ruling, those votes will not count. Mail-in voting is inherently more complicated. So if you're, you know, Democrats are insane to make their voters do do the complications. It's just crazy. But anyway, he's clearly uh, he's clearly <laughs> setting. I agree. He's setting up a situation where he could be faced with he wins the 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 election day ballots the mail-in ballots are still being counted and he somehow claims victory and tries to end the process uh that would be wrong Uh, i don't think he'll do it in the crunch but you know you never know that wait wait i may miss it you're not saying that he may try to deny that that any mail-in ballots are valid 
I thought you? you were saying that he might. Well, I'm worried. If you're, if you're, if you agree, I'm really worried. No, I think he, I think well, he's clo- he, he's clearly preparing for the possibility that it'll be a California situation where the on election day all these Republicans won, and then it's a slow trickle in right. of mail-in ballots that gradually gives the Democrats the leads, and at some point he might like to call an end to the process to say, okay, enough. You know? Yeah, but it's not it's not within his power. Now he did say on Fox, I agree. He did I agree. Say, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying I'm agreeing with you that he's setting up a situation where that might happen. Well, he did say on Fox the next day that um, he would abide by the Supreme Court ruling if it came to that, and 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 I I, I kind of figured well, he would. Go. I mean, he's he has abided by court rulings. Yeah. Um, and and that's in a certain sense all you need to know. Um, right. I mean, the ruling may not be favorable to Democrats, especially, uh, now, uh, it's going to be a 6-3 court split, um, uh, in terms of which parties appointed the justices. But, um, one other, um, one other question. Did you, did you see, you saw the Bart Gelman piece in the Atlantic or, or read I, about it? I, or something? I, 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 I don't subscribe to the Atlantic, so I could only read the first paragraph before the before the paywall kicked in, and then I used my usual work to workarounds and skimmed it. But it's basically the problem. The, the the inherent flaw in the electoral college is that the state legislatures can appoint any electors they want, mm-hmm. and that's a huge potential problem. It was a huge problem in two thousand. I think I think that's what drove Bush versus Gore is that the Republican legislature was threatening to appoint its own electors. So they said, we can't let this process go on because it's going to be chaos. And it's a, it's an inherently chaotic provision. So anyway, what, what Gelman was saying is that Republican sources tell him that the Republicans are preparing for the possibility that they will get, you know, most of the swing states have Republican state legislatures. And... Technically, they do have the authority, I guess, to appoint, to defy the popular vote within the state or, and appoint whatever electors or, they or want. They, and could, if, they could cut it short the way we were, we were just talking, right? Well, cut the counting short and, 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 and appoint or, or designate right. electors who, who right. vote for Trump. Right. right. We've seen enough. We've seen enough of this count. We're appointing Trump electors. Right. Right. And, and it sounds like that may be a real, uh, threat, which would be a really, Again, I think an so egregious in, violation in the, in the war norms. game. In the war game, the Democrats pulled that stunt. The war game, schmore game. You mean this thing? War game, that- war game the, the, the war game was being conducted by John Podesta and a bunch of very influential and credible Democratic officials, saying this is what they would do. Yeah, what is this called again? It's being it's being treated as a conspiracy. Uh, a deep state conspiracy it or was something. Done by Rosa but, Brooks. I know, I but know. yeah, by the right I, and. I, and yeah. And the Begruen Institute was involved, and they are now being cast as uh, as and, deeply malicious. And, and, and there are all sorts of there are all sorts of situations where you might sympathize with the Democrats. The, I think the situation that they had was like the Republicans claimed to discover a trove of ballots for Trump that nobody had ever heard of before. That throws the election to Trump, and the Democratic legislature says, "Screw this, we're appointing Biden electors." There might be situations where the equities. Sort of are on the on the side of uh, of the state legislatures, but it's a recipe for for you know strife and indecision. And basically, yeah, I, they should just run it through the courts. And if the courts decide one way, 
Absolutely. That's the decision. If the courts decide the other way, that's the way they should. The state legislature should not contradict yeah. what their state court systems say. And and if Trump gets it stolen from him by the courts, he gets it stolen from him by the courts. I mean, the same way. No, I Biden. think he will respect that. I mean, ultimately, presumably, he would keep appealing and it would wind up in the Supreme Court. And he has said he would respect it. I think he actually would. Um, but so what uh, are you arguing about? Whether it was stupid for him to say what he said. Well, yeah, it isn't just stupid. It's deeply, deeply irresponsible at a time when you've already had actual killing, you know, intertribal killing, red-blue killing, for him to, to be screwing around like this. I don't. I, I just don't understand whether it's tactical okay. trolling or he's an idiot. I mean, yeah. okay, you know, I agree with that. I agree with that, and I don't um, understand either. And uh, and I would just say that for if the state legislatures do this again in this context of you know intense civil antagonism, uh, that would be deeply, deeply irresponsible to violate such long-standing well, you say, norms. You see, again, I mean, all all they did was threaten last time. They didn't actually do anything. In Florida, um, they yeah. had an ins- insane pro-Republican Speaker of the House who threatened it. Yeah, but that was enough. I think that I really do think. I, I, co- I'm not up on the. I, I all I know is that the court's ruling was uh, judged dubious by even not not just by liberals, right? I mean, it was it was a kind of a dubious ruling. It was crazy. Court. The court's ruling made no sense at all. Uh, but. Uh, as with many rulings, there may be a subtext where it does make sense. And the, you know, even the subtext where it made sense is unless we decide this now, all hell's going to break loose and we're not even going to meet the deadline for inaugurating a president. Uh, yeah. so that, that was the subtext in which it made sense. In legal terms, it was complete crap. And even, uh, some very conservative judges pointed that out. Now, speaking of norm violation, uh, you know, last week after we taped, we found out that Ruth Bader Ginsburg had died. And so we taped a little 15, 20 minute addendum that was that we pasted on at the end. But we were reacting um, in real time. Do you have any further thoughts on that? Oh, um, uh, I think I do. Uh, uh, I think it's. I think Trump is justified in going ahead with the appointment. I think McConnell's uh, rationale for not considering Garland was was bogus. But the real rationale is the Constitution gives the Senate the power to advise and consent, and they didn't give their consent. So, uh, and uh, in this well, they case, did they did more will, than that. In this case, they, they probably will give this. They did more than that. They didn't even provide the forum for deciding whether to give their consent. They didn't well, even permit hearings. So you're going to read into the Constitution that they have a requirement to have hearings? That's a, I think that's a little much. No, 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 no. And in fact, this is the mistake I, uh, that Biden is making in the things I've heard him say about this. He has acted as if the Constitution compels um, – uh, compels Trump to not appoint another justice until after the election or, or, or something. Um, that's A, not, you know, f- far from clear. B, it doesn't resonate with people. Re- what resonates with people is this. Look, four years ago, Mitch McConnell and the Republicans said as plain as day, we want to formalize, establish clearly and, and, and reinforce a new norm. 
That is, once the election is under, once the campaigning is underway, even if the primaries have just started, you do not consider a new uh, Supreme Court justice until after the election. And, 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 and some people like Lindsey Graham have since been very clear in saying, yes, this would apply to 2020 with Trump uh, as, as president. And, and now they're, and now they're, they're going back on their word. They're reneging. That's the way to frame this. And that's clearly what it is. You don't deny that they're reneging, right? Well, Graham is certainly reneging. You know, first, hypocrisy goes both ways. So four years ago, the Democrats were saying Obama has the power to appoint him and it's perfectly okay. Now they're saying the opposite. Yeah, but they lost. That didn't happen. McConnell McConnell has an out, which he says uh, his principle was just a tiebreaker. If the Senate says one thing and the president says another, we'll let the election decide. In this case, you don't need a tiebreaker. The president and the Senate are in accord. So did he say? Did, did McConnell say that at the time? Yes, he did. He, he he actually issued two statements. I think one of them had that qualification. One of them didn't. I don't know. Anyway, there were a bunch of people who said it at the time. Well, uh, and I, I think even Lindsey Graham was one of them. On the other hand, Graham said, "You know, write down, mark my words, play this tape. You know, four years from now to hold me to account." And now he's reneging on that. So, uh, Lindsey Graham's well, a snake and a, and a horrible person and. Uh, well, uh, that's why um, I have to hope he wins so that Republicans retain the Senate. Um, well, the to me, the Republican Senate candidates are really a slate of horrors. I mean, Tom Tillis, Joni Ernst, Lindsey Graham. I mean, could Graham lose? Up- could Graham Sorry? lose? Does Graham have a chance of losing? Oh, yeah. That would be so great. Um, and... Um, if Martha McSally wins, I'll eat my hat. So there was a poll showing her gaining. I can't believe she's going to win. But anyway, the yes, Graham, you would ask the question and I'm digressing here. No, I mean, the only point I would make is if the claim is that, um, well, uh, the, the, the precedent we lay, the new norm, uh, that we set a precedent for, only makes sense when the White House and the, and the Senate are held by different parties. Um, I just don't understand the logic of that. I mean, it seems to me if 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 the idea here is that given you know an impending expression by the people of who they want representing them, which party they want to empower, right. given that impen- impending expression, we shouldn't do something now that might turn out to be f- great flagrantly at odds with that expression. Well, then uh, that's much more likely, w- w- you know, when both parties hold uh, are, are running the show, right? Because we could go now from Republican president and Senate to Democrat president and Senate. I mean, in a situation... Where you've got two parties exerting influence, like Obama in the White House and Senate Republicans, you've got both parties are exerting some influence now. So it's not like you're going to get a 180 degree shift after the election between the the array of power now and the partisan array of power afterwards. You see what I'm saying? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm slow. Well, I'm slow this morning. I'm sorry. It, it may not make sense. It, it may just be it doesn't make sense. I'm saying like. You seem to accept the premise like they're saying we want to guard against a situation in which right before the public tells us which parties they want to make these decisions, you know, we make such a decision 
Uh, and it turns out to be, you know, they, they want totally different parties to be making the decisions, right? Well, that's always possible, but this, I don't think that's what they're saying. They're saying, what are they saying? They're saying, uh, they're saying, if you have the power, you can exercise the power and your public might repudiate you. But if there's a, if there's a, if there's a jump ball situation where, you know, there's a deadlock, what the hell, uh, throw it to the electorate and let them decide. It's a standard sort of, sort of logic that happens in parliamentary systems all the time. If you have a deadlock, you say, what the hell, we'll have a new election. I don't see any reading of what they said that, that, that leaves that, what you just said is the actual rationale. They had a, they had a more profound sounding rationale for the thing than that, right? I mean, look, if that was what they meant, they could have let it go to a vote in the Senate. What's wrong with that? I mean, it, it, well, they should. Have. We've been through this. They should have let it. Okay, go but they didn't, and we're asking what their rationale was for not letting it go to the Senate. It couldn't. Well, have the been. rationale was they didn't want they didn't want to waste their time having hearings because they're not giving their consent. That was that was their rationale. Oh, oh that that was it. McConnell said it, it, it would waste no, my precious was, time. I've got it. I I need to get a haircut that day or something. Come on, well, they I didn't say that. No, they had it. They had this highfalutin. The only re, the only plausible thing rationale would would be like the people are just about to speak. We should listen to what they're going to say. There's a danger now of doing something gravely at odds with what they're about to say. And I'm just saying, if power is divided between Republicans and Democrats, there's less danger, not more, of doing something 180 degrees away from whatever the hell it is they're about to say. Okay. Well, the um, in this case, they're about to appoint a conservative Republican. The the electorate may decide to appoint a liberal Democrat, so that would be 180 degrees. But um, yes, the um, you no, know, I'm talking about in terms of the array of power. I, I say, I say, forget McConnell's alleged norms. I don't care about his norms. And, and, I care but, about but the wait, Democrats' I, but, norms. Just... I care what the Constitution says. The Constitution mm-hmm. says. The Senate has the power. If they don't like somebody, they don't have to vote for him. That right. was the that was the Bork right. principle. You know, before Bork, everybody would say, "Well, if he has if he has the credentials and the qualifications, the Senate can't really say no." Mm-hmm. And Bork had all the credentials in the world, and the Senate said no, and that was the right thing to do. So the Senate has the power to say no, and they said no of course, to Merrick no, they Garland, have the power. That, and they're going to say why, yes to this. That's why, that's why Biden Trump's is making party. a mistake every time he says the Constitution, blah, blah, blah. He should just right. say, look, they said this is the rule, and they changed their mind. That's not fair. People understand that. People understand that. And that, that should be what he says. Now, I, by the way, I think maybe I just heard you concede my point, which is like, yeah, this would be 180 degrees. It's going to be a very conservative justice. If the Democrats uh, win, it would have been 180 degrees from that. That 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 is the danger you have when you have both parties, uh, you know, the, the same party controlling the Senate and the White House making a decision before election. You can get a 180 degree swing. That's right. my point. You couldn't have got. You know, you're, you're less likely to get that. And and in fact, uh, Merrick Garland illustrates that. He was Obama because power was divided. Chose a moderate. Yeah. He was okay, not well, some. That, that wasn't Larry Tribe. I, I don't see why that's you know that, that that's inherent in the Constitution. You have uh, you know I, you I'm have just a saying, fixed term it, of office, and people can do things at the end of the fixed term and then get reversed by the voters. I'm just saying so. any conceivable coherent rationale they could have laid out if they were inclined to lay out coherent rationales in the first place would render what they're doing now flagrantly 
hypocritical and 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 would would and in violation of that rationale. Enough. Um, yeah, I, I I thought I'd conceded your point by accident there. Um, I'm glad we, you have so much energy, Bob, because I sure don't. This is the way so, I like it. So but this, uh, this, but but keep on keep on driving the conversation. This, this the transfer hell? of power from you to me has been commendably peaceful. peaceful. Um. So, anything to say about what's going to happen? Are they going to choose this Amy? It sure looks Barrett? like it. The um. Uh, and I think she'll she'll show herself well in whatever hearings they have. Wouldn't it make and more electoral sense to choose the Latina? He's he's completely blundered with the choosing of the Latina because he's made it seem like, oh, this is just a cheap political ploy to to send a signal, some sort of positive signal to Latinos in Florida. He, did, he hasn't even interviewed her. Uh, so it's... You know, it, I, I, this, this, this woman is is sort of a the Latina woman is sort of a pig in a poke. She doesn't have that long a record. I think I would prefer Barrett, but um, uh, you know, I think voters Barrett, I think Barrett will will seem very distinguished and good in the hearings. And and that will we're down to his electoral advantage. This other woman, because she's a pig in a poke, you don't know what she's going to say. And also, it seemed like a naked bit of partisanship just to win the election. And you don't screw around with the Supreme Court just to win one state in a presidential election. So it, I don't think that redounds too well with with Trump. I, the the um, I'm not sure Barrett is the best person for the job, but everybody agrees she's super smart and. uh uh, and, and she, you know, and she's consci- the basis conscientious. Choice. Yeah, it, an interesting thing happened is is um, as people sort of started thinking who is great, who's lying around, a lot of people, including Ann Coulter, started talking about this guy Miguel Estrada, who is a man. So Trump stupidly has foreclosed himself from appointing him. But even liberals apparently have praised Estrada as Justice Kagan has said he's a towering intellect. Uh, he, uh, J.D. Vance, my candidate for president, uh, said, I've looked into it and I've never seen somebody praised by both sides as much as Miguel Estrada. Uh, so, uh, and he, he, I think he is quite conservative, but, um, but, that was sort of an impressive thing to come out of this search. Is they they found the guy. He's just the wrong sex. He's the huh. right. He's the right ethnicity, but he's the wrong sex. Funny how these guys. I mean, it makes it seems it makes even less sense to me that Trump hemmed himself in like that than it made to me that Biden hemmed himself in by saying the vice president would be a woman. I mean, that was arguably a preemptive strike against the the uh, impending controversy that he may have known about. Growing out of the allegations against him, you know, from 30 years ago or something by a woman whose name now escapes me. So, so. What, Anita Hill? No, no, no. Biden, you know, Biden, uh, the one this time around who was accusing him, the woman who said when she was in. Yeah. That's good. See, you're doing fine. You've got more Um, energy than me, or I'm just (laughs) declining more rapidly. Um, This could be a. Yeah, we could, you could regress into an infantile state. But like, why did, why did Trump, why did Trump do that? If he's, if he's going to please people with a woman, he's going to please people when he announces her. I mean, why does he, 
why did he choose to assure people of that? It's not like there's going to be election in between an election in between the time he said it and the time he announces. It, I think it's pick. idiotic. I think it's I think Biden has promised a black woman, so he's 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 hemmed himself even more. He hemmed himself in on the vice president too, and he got Kamala Harris. That's what I was talking about. Who I think about. is a is a turkey. So I think I think it's a disaster. Uh, for both of them. That's what I was talking about with Biden. I, I was asking whether it was because the Tara Reid thing was coming that he that he wanted to shore up his his feminist support. I don't think the Tara Reid thing is that big anymore. Do you? I, no, it's I not. It no, Mickey. Here's what I'm saying. Back when Biden said, "My vice president will be a woman," oh, did he say it back then? I didn't. Realize it was that. like a, it was like weeks before te- the Tara Reid thing exploded or something. I think. Oh, that's stupid. Um, Biden, I, I, it's just speculation, but um. But wait, what was I going to say? Anyway, so Trump, uh, here's a question. If Roe does get overturned, does that deprive the next Republican presidential candidate of like a ton of political energy? I mean, I mean, if there's no if if you take that cause away, well, I from think them, it. Yes, it, it puts them on totally on the defensive. I mean, this is the standard new republic line, but I think it's right. The public is pro-choice, not pro-life. If if it gets sent back to the voters of fifty states, in every state in the union, the Democrats will kick the Republicans' ass practically, and so it's a disaster for the Republicans at that level. And of course, there'll be calls in Congress to nationalize the issue to declare that abortion is illegal or not illegal as a fe- matter of federal law, and the Republicans will get killed there too. So it's it's basically, you know, if they get what they wish for, they're they're wishing themselves a couple of years in political oblivion. So, uh, but let me be clear. You're saying that at the level of state legislatures, a large, large majority of states would make abortion legal or? Legal, yeah, sure. Is that really true? I think it's true. It's what was happening well, before Roe and, it's, and, and why that's it. Well, the then why are sh- half the- of the senators in the U.S. afraid to vote against a Supreme Court justice who will overturn Roe? Well, these, well, these red states seem to be judging by what the senators are, how the senators are going to vote. Because red state people want to overturn Roe, not thinking a step ahead that that's going to destroy the Republican Party. They actually are pro-life, and overturning Roe would be more pro-life than retaining Roe. No, but what I mean is, are, are, look, are red states, if Roe is overturned, are red states by and large going to make abortion illegal at the state level? Red states? Yeah. Some will, some won't. Some red states will turn blue over the issue. But how will that work? I mean, I don't get it. It's like right now it right, seems – People run for legislature saying, I'm not going to make abortion illegal, and they win. And they beat the Republicans. <laughs> I, I guess that. Says, but, but my question is, why is it that it now seems as if – It seems as if every senator from a red state feels compelled just about with with one or two exceptions where they waver, feels compelled to be pro-life. I, I'd assume that meant that the constituency back home... Well, it's, it's because th- it's not, as long as the Supreme Court has taken it off the legislative table, it, it's not a live issue in those races. So it's, it's very safe to be pro-life. You don't have to confront pro-choice people because the pro-choice people know you're, what you what you do is not going to make a difference. Uh, in terms of whether abortion is illegal or not, the Supreme Court has decided it. So uh, it, it, it's not a live issue in 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 the debate, and uh, the pro-lifers are 
huge, intensely uh, interested minority of voters who were a majority probably in the Repu- in many Republican parties. So, of course, if you're a Republican, you're going to go along with them. Plus, Roe versus Wade was wrongly decided. So why not just do the right thing? I'm still not totally getting how this works at the state level in your view. But my question was actually just if you're a Republican, if you're running for president as the Republican nominee, doesn't the fact that Roe has already been overturned, imagine that being the case in four years, really deprive you of a lot of energy from your base? I think so. Yeah. Accomplishing something always is a problem. I was even worried that if they, if, that if Trump, uh, you know, succeeds in getting uh, a new justice on the court, a conservative justice, conservative votes will say, okay, we've won and not go to the polls, even if there's only a two-day difference, two-day gap between approving the justice and election day. They'll say, okay, you know, no need to go. We have a 6-3 majority. That'll last forever. Mm-hmm. And they'll be wrong, but, uh, you know, that, that's been known to happen. But, uh, and somebody else echoed this point, uh, in the prestigious Atlantic, I believe, but, um, I think, no, Tim Alberta in Politico, but um, uh, it's probably wrong. So, but but you think if Roe is overturned, we will have legal abortion in like three-fourths of states or something like that? Yeah. Okay. I mean, there may be some, a few more restrictions, you know, though there'll be hash, but I, I think, I think I, there will be attempts to nationalize it. This idea that it, it that, this idea that it reverts to the states and Congress doesn't try to impose one rule on the nation is bogus. Of course, there'll be moves in Congress to impose one rule on the nation. Uh, and they may or may not succeed. I haven't figured that out yet, but, um, uh, and it may or may not be constitutional, but, um, well, uh, you know, if, if it, if it does go to the states, of course, a majority of states will keep abortion legal. Well, it doesn't seem obvious to me, and I still don't quite understand why, but we should. I mean, there'll be restrictions, third trimester, parental right. consent. There'll be all sorts of uh, restrictions, but, you know, yeah. no state is going to ban abortion. Uh, I, I mean, mean, I do think there's a, a majority aren't. It worries me the, the long term consequences of. All of these social issues like abortion, I mean, suppose it start, it happened with gay marriage, whatever, to the extent that social issues are leg, are, are governed, you know, differ, uh, are, are decided at the state level. You, you could wind up with a deepening of the fault lines between red and blue, or at least between some red and blue, it seems to me, because you, you, you know, you're going to have your 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 young progressives in red states even more inclined to go some to go to a blue state for college or whatever you know to the extent that things like you know gay rights trans rights abortion are um are conservatively legislated in your in the red states and and not in the blue states i just think i just i agree with that but i think i really think it'll be a a small minority of states that have such restrictions on abortion Okay. That people find them, you know. Well, you should, idea, you know, you the should. Number ex- of, the number of states where women who want an abortion have to get on a bus to another state, I, I would think would be small. Well, you should tell, uh, Democrats that. That would reassure them. I think very few of them, I mean, a lot of them don't even realize that this wouldn't mean, that the overturning of Roe wouldn't mean that abortion was illegal ar- uh, across the United States. Well, that's um, true. They're into they're into scaring people about it. Well, or they may genuinely not understand it. Now, final question on this: 
Um, last week when we um, spoke, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had just died. Um, and so I was even less inclined uh, than usual to uh, speak ill of the dead. Uh, the death being so recent. But I have been, uh, and you can ask my wife, for years now, complaining that she did not retire during the Obama administration. A question that has been raised. Have you heard a satisfactory explanation? I mean, she was in her 80s. She had had cancer twice. Two different kinds well, no, of cancer. This is, this is, a, this is a, a point about her dying wish. I mean, there was a concerted effort in 2014 to get her to retire because they had the Senate they could have appointed anybody they wanted. They could have appointed a young person. And uh, and uh, Edward Chemerinsky, a, a dean of a law school out here, wrote an op-ed saying that. He was sort of the point person for this. Uh, and and she resisted. I assume she resisted because she wanted to keep working. I mean, you what know, this was her life. What kind of is that? I mean, come on. Well, I agree. But so she so right. So she she blew it by four months. If she'd survived for four more months, she might have. Well, maybe, uh, maybe not. Died I in mean, the Biden administration, and maybe and, not. And, and Trump she might felt win. She, she might have felt very, very guilty about not having retired, which colors her dying wish. Her dying wish is that you do something that absolves me of the guilt, my guilt for not retiring in 2014. Well, the hell with that dying wish, you know. So uh, people don't put the two, put two and two together. Not that not that her dying wish is entitled to much respect anyway. It, it, there's no provision of the Constitution that says, and the dying wishes of dying justices have to be uh, carried out. It's sort of presumptuous and arrogant of her to even make that dying wish. It's not her role to decide who gets to decide who's on the Supreme Court. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, right. she and, made in a fact, mistake. The time when you have that leverage is if you choose to retire and right. can discuss it with the president. Right. She made a bad. She made a bad mistake from her point of view. From the point of view of her ideology and her val- and and preserving her her values in 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 court rulings, certainly. The certainly. other point about Ginsburg is was she such a great judge? She was a reliable vote, but you know, are there any great Ginsburg opinions that have dissents that have stood the test of time and been made into majority opinions? Is she? Uh, I'm. I don't think so. There are famous dissents because she made a point of reading them, which at that point. Was rare, maybe it's still rare, but, 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 right, there was some, uh, I forget what case it was, but she famously chose to read it aloud, which was uh, the exception with dissents. Um, I the, thought they um, do it sometimes when they're really pissed off. So, so, well, anyway, are you in favor of term limits for Supreme Court justices? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm, much, I, I'll sign on they, with that. They've, um, they've, uh, you know, there, there was this boomlet to, uh, pack the court with 11 and then they realized 11 wasn't enough because it would still be 6-5 so they had to go to 13 uh, and uh, there have been even higher numbers I believe bandied around uh, and and as if this was like a done deal when if, if Biden's elected we'll just get rid of the filibuster and do this and and, and there was a wave of uh, of second thoughts and that's now uh, you know that's that's now shifted so that's not pushed that much anymore but a term limit is a sensible sort of halfway step uh to to getting a more responsive court uh and and, and it's ridiculous that it comes down to when judges retire and when they die 18 years is a long time you can make your mark 
and re- and retire gracefully, and it's taken out of your hands. That'd be a, that'd be a that'd be a definite improvement. And also, you could have the election. You know that this judge is going to retire. It becomes an election issue, right? So that's reasonable too. Um, yeah. The other the other so the two things that have happened is that the court packing has faded. And also the idea that they would vote in the lame duck has faded. In other words, the Republicans realize it would look too awful if Biden wins and they still ram their justice through after the election. So they got to vote before the election. And that is definitely going to happen. There's no way that clever parliamentary procedures by the oh, Democrats. Not, no, I'm sure there are clever parliamentary procedures. And there was even talk of impeaching Trump again just to delay things. I think that's faded, too. But um you don't know. It's, it's a very tight schedule. Any, you know, if Lindsey Graham gets a cold, they're in deep trouble. So, um, hmm. it, uh, maybe you should pay Lindsey a visit. Yeah. Give him, uh, give him whatever you got. Yeah. Take it. Um, um, so, so, uh, anyway, so we agree so, on that. Okay. So is court packing, uh, declining as a, as an, I mean, it seems. Yes. It seems, Biden, however Biden, tempting at a kind of visceral level, it seems like obviously suicide for the republic. It's just uh, you. It leads to the, an ever growing Supreme Court and a Supreme Court and an ever less legitimate Supreme Court. Right. Biden has pointedly refused to endorse it. So uh, that tells that tells you that he knows that it's not popular with the voters, and it could still happen because the Democrats may get in. They're such wild and crazy guys that they get rid of the filibuster and do whatever they want, whether it's popular with the public or not. And they could maybe intimidate Biden into signing it. But uh, it's definitely faded. I don't think, you know, John Alter and various people were, Tubin were pushing it last week. I don't think they'd push it again this week. Yeah, and Biden's last public utterance about it is against it. Um, I don't know how many years ago. There was a good... There was a good tweet about how what we need is a billion Supreme Court justices. That's a, a Matt Iglesias, Matt Iglesias. That's a Matt Iglesias subtweet. It's a Matt Iglesias joke. Nothing. Um, there's nothing funnier than Matt Iglesias humor. No. Uh, no. You should. You should like debate Matt about his book. That'd be fun. Um, I'd you like want to do, do that. that. Would you do that? Because I would do that, but. Um, uh, yes. Okay. Uh, unlike my tra- my tragic refusal to debate Ed- Ezra Klein early in his career. I was just about to point that I, out. Back when Ezra Klein still had peach fuzz on his cheeks, he challenged you to a debate on blogging heads. He threw, he literally threw down a gauntlet. He got like a, a gauntlet as a glove, right? He threw it down. Said, I'm yeah, throwing down the gauntlet. He did. He said, "I challenge Mickey Mouse." And yeah, was I didn't Mickey want to Kaus do it because it? at the time, at the time, I didn't respect him. I thought it would be a shitty debate where he just Wait. made his talking points. But I, I've always, I respect him now, and I always respect Matt Iglesias. So, so you would do that? That would yes. be excellent TV. I'll, I'll, I would I'll, say, I'll, I'll raise that possibility. I'll, I'll, I'll email him. Um, so, um, uh, Brianna Taylor, you, uh, there's. Brianna Taylor, um, I have, by the way, unrest, I do have, I do have one good, po- I do have one good point to make in this podcast. So I hope this we get to it? it before the end. No, this is not it. The Brianna Taylor thing, I, um, uh, I don't, I don't quote, it's obviously something went wrong and something's wrong with the system that sends cops, even if they announce, they yell, Hey, we're the police. And if you don't hear it, you die. I mean, it's, it's, 
you know, and you think it's an intruder and you shoot them and they shoot back. I mean, it's just a, they shouldn't be doing these sorts of raids. Uh, and if they do these sorts of raids, they should take incredible steps to make sure that the people inside are notified that it's a police raid and that they shouldn't shoot back. But just to yell, it's police and here comes the battering ram and, uh, her, her, her boyfriend's, uh, statement that he thought it was her ex-boyfriend breaking in, uh, and that's why he shot was inherently plausible. Now maybe mm-hmm. he's a liar, but all, all these people were trying to blame Brianna Taylor somehow for it. There's something wrong with that. I mean, I mean, her boy, ex-boyfriend was a drug dealer, but her new boyfriend wasn't a drug dealer. And so, and there was, you know, they, they never charged her with any of the drug dealing. And, uh, she had no business being killed. Uh, so I'm sort True. of, I'm sort of not in sympathy with the right wing on this. I'm, I'm sort of in sympathy with Charles Barkley, well, but. What did he, what uh, did he say? He sort of, he, 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 he just went and said, look, her boyfriend shot at the police. They're going to shoot back. And then he said, well, but obviously the system is to blame. Right. You know, not, uh, the, 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 and, and we shouldn't have no knock raids. And I would go further and say, you know, we shouldn't have midnight raids at all. Right. Unless elaborate procedures are undertaken to, to make, to notify the people. No, I, I think if something good comes out of this, and, and there are signs that it is, uh, there are signs that there were already, there were already growing doubts about no knock warrants. I mean, they, they are, Pretty much entirely, I think, a product of the war on drugs. The the idea behind a no-knock warrant is they might flush the drugs down the toilet, so you, you can't give them the chance. Um, and this was, well, so I think, it, well, well, you tell <laughs> that to the prosecutors anyway. That was the logic. And I think this was a no-knock warrant, even though the police claimed that they did say this is the police well, um, and, and the, before and breaking the in. the attorney general said there was a, a witness who confirmed that. One witness confirmed it. Many said they heard, apparently a number of neighbors said they didn't hear anything. But anyway, I guess at that time of morning, there wouldn't, I don't know. Anyway, but, but the, um, I think that would be great if kind of the end of no-knock warrants emerged from, from this. The, the problem is that, um, you know, there's tension between that systemic reform and the current expression of outrage in the streets of Louisville. The outrage is about the cops not having been indicted for murder. And when you think about it, I mean, first of all, the attorney general rightly said the law just gave him no real possibility of indicting them for murder. Uh, the, the cops were doing as ordered. They were ordered to break in. They broke in. Somebody shot at them. They returned the fire. There's this one cop that did something crazy. He ran around the outside and started shooting through a plate glass window blindly. Even though the blinds were down, he couldn't even see what he was doing. Now, he did not hit Breonna Taylor, apparently, but he's the one who was indicted for uh, wanton endangerment. But as for the cops who actually killed her, I mean, pretty much anybody, if they were given the orders and followed them and broke in and then somebody shot at them, they would return the fire. Right. And, and so, you know, now... And, and, and I would guess that they, that they would have done that if it was a white person whose apartment they were breaking into. It's, it's, in fact, I'm pretty sure of it. It's conceivable that they, they, they would have fired fewer bullets and freaked out less if it was a white person. And there are a lot of other places that, that, uh, racism could enter the picture. I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly possible that judges are more inclined to, to give no-knock warrants when it's a black person or that detectives are more likely to ask for the no-knock warrants. But, 
the trouble, you know, with the reaction is that there, there is such a determination to, to see the cops who fired the guns as racists who wanted to kill a black person that that distracts you from the larger systemic issues, some of which may involve racism or racial bias. Um, and so, uh, you know, I don't, that's, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, except I, I, you, you, I really do think this would have happened. The police, you know, they kill white people all the time. No, they, as I said, uh, so I think it, they almost, I, I, I think that you would, re- look, if you were a cop and you're in that situation, you return the fire. I mean, anybody's going to do that pretty much unless you're like, you know, Gandhi. So, um, it, but the, uh, uh, my, my it, point was that, in other ways, racism may may enter in the issuance of no knock warrants and and so on and so on and so on. And but but my point is the focus of the protests on indicting these cops for murder is is taking attention away from the actual places where racism could be complicit here and the larger systemic reforms that we need. Oh, I think it's encouraging the larger systemic reform. You don't, you don't think we're more likely to. Get rid of no knock warrants because of the demonstrations. Well, I think may, maybe clearly. for the magnitude of the unrest will will focus people's attention. Uh, but the but, fact is that there's a, there's just a kind of a logical tension between demanding that these cops be indicted for murder and seeing the problem as 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 residing at a higher yes. level. Yes. How how impressive was the the attorney general though? I only I, mean, he, I heard some excerpts. He sounded good. Why? He he well he's he he's incredibly impressive. He gave a talk at the Republican convention and you go, that guy is gonna be president. I now mean, is he is he African American? He's African American, he's uh you know exhibits no characteristics that put off white people. He's really smart. Uh and uh he gives a great speech. And he was good at the at the press conference too, even if he was making the, a decision that uh, many people didn't like. So wait, he, uh, he's a Republican. Yeah. Huh. Uh, and you know, good black candidates go far in the Republican Party. In the Democratic Party, there are a lot of them. Right. But uh, so um, I just think he's on a fast escalator to the top. Um. um. Maybe he'll be the one to appoint Miguel Estrada to the Supreme Court. Remind me who Miguel Estrada is. He's he wasn't the star of Chips, was he? <laughs> Bob, you're canceled. <laughs> Why? What? The me that was Eric. Wasn't there Estrada. an actor named Estrada? Oh, Eric that was Estrada. Eric Estrada. Well, that's not. This is the guy. Like this is the guy who look alike. That's, this is the guy who Kagan said was a towering intellect. Who. We oh, were he probably was, would have been a great actor too. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, so um, I'm you're, you're you're continuing your whip hand here. Keep, keep going. Debate first debate this Tuesday, right? This is where I have my one point. Okay, you've set um, expectations pretty high. I no. hope Joe Biden doesn't make that mistake. There was this very good article by Tom Edsel on the five things. Uh, Democrats should worry about. One of them was the suppressing their own vote through mail-in ballots. Yeah. Another was that the anti-immigrant message resonates not only with whites, but it resonates 
equally with Latinos and with African Americans. So they're basically all on the same page in terms of uh, two thirds of them supporting, uh, uh, you know, not not my full message on on illegal immigrants, but saying basically uh, implying that there should be limits and mm-hmm. uh, um, and uh, not not the Democrats' position, which is no deportations ever. Blah blah blah. Um, so, so two thirds of all these groups are against open borders, basically. Right, and and it was a little more than open borders. It was like, but anyway, um, this is a problem for Biden. Okay, the, so the key question in the debate is whether he will do the smart thing and move to the right or to the restrictionist side in immigration uh, by distancing himself. He doesn't have to do a full sister soldier, but just sort of saying. You know, I'm not one of these open borders people. I think we need borders and sort of emotionally putting himself on the side of, uh, no, I'm not one of these crazy pro immigration people like the rest of my party. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether he makes that sort of Clinton esque triangulation move or not, he be, I, I think he sews up the election if he does. Uh, if he doesn't, uh, he's stupider than I think he is. And I'm glad we're having it. I would never write this because I don't want to give him any ideas, but he probably doesn't listen to our podcast. So I'm safe. So, so he's got to be, here. so he's got to be a little to the right of the, the elites in his part, the elite consensus in his party on immigration. Correct. And it, 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 he has to do the equivalent of saying, I'm going to, Clinton saying, mm-hmm. I'm going to end welfare as we know it. And you're well, saying the, that- the elite of, the lead of the Democratic Party did not want to end welfare as we know it. Clinton won the election by saying he's going to end welfare as we know it. So he has to do the equivalent on the immigration issue, you know, say, uh, I want a strong border and I'm going to make, you know, make sure we have a strong border and the people who are, who should leave the country will be required to leave the country. Uh, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then there are all sorts of quotes from the Jordan Commission report he can use if he wants, but something like that. Yeah. And you're saying that would put him right in the middle of his base. The middle of his base is to the right of of his elite. The middle of the electorate. Well, what about, about his base, base, though? Didn't you say well, well, what about his are, base? But there, there was a poll, I think, of 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 Latinos and African Americans in both parties. Now, African Americans are ah. overwhelmingly Democrat, but Latinos aren't. So, right. Uh, the, the 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 he would be, he would be in the middle of the voters. Yeah. He wants to appeal to the voters. Plus. He's in the middle of the swing voters, which is the most important thing. Uh, and he's in the middle of the swing voters in the key swing states. Yeah. So, uh, so, it, so it, what it makes I mean, sense he, for there's no the, danger that he's going to come out for open borders. So what, what, but you're saying more than that. What phrase well, the, does he need? Downside, what phrase does he need to utter? The downside, the downside would be that he would, he would lose enthusiasm on the f- extreme pro immigration. Front among Latinos, but this poll shows he's not going to really alienate Latinos. So, uh, the, so what he, he would say, he would What's say, the phrase? you know, we, I uh, got, I haven't thought of what the phrase would be. The, you know, one way to do it is to stiff somebody to say, I disagree with what Ocasio Cortez says on this. Doesn't have to name her by name, but pick somebody less popular than Ocasio Cortez. The other possibility is to say what Barbara Jordan said, uh, you know, that we need secure borders. People who aren't supposed to be here should be required to leave. I'm in favor of requiring them to leave. 
we can't just give a green light for anybody to come here legally on the grounds that, you know, uh, that, that they're going to be able to get to stay here. Uh, I mean, that's what I would say. Mm-hmm. But that may be a little farther than he's willing to go. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, he, he, he has a problem because he's committed to amnesty, which is, uh, in effect, telling future generations of illegals that they can come here and they're going to get the next amnesty. So he could say, he could say, I'm for amnesty, but damn it, this is going to be our last amnesty. He could say something like that. We have to make sure it's our last amnesty. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't know. The Clinton said a bunch of things in a couple of state of the unions that did this, did this job of triangulating. So, um, um he could go back know, to them. You know, a couple he, of, he could say that, he could say that illegal immigrants undercut wages. That would be a good thing to say. We can't just, we can't just open the floodgates I, to cheap labor from abroad. That might appeal in Pennsylvania and Ohio. That might, uh, I'd be surprised, but it, eh, not shocked. Um, you know, a couple of commenters have asked that, uh, I argue with you about immigration and I've done it so many times that I haven't been doing it lately. I, and I don't know if it's, uh, worth, um, worth reprising my views on immigration. We could save it for the parrot room unless, as other commenters have said, it's bad form to tease things on the regular podcast that are only going to be in the parrot room. That seems like, you know, heavy, like, sales. What, so you want to satisfy our commenters by getting mad at me about immigration, even though we've had this argument a hundred times before? Uh, I'm asking you if I should. I think if I don't do it here, I should do it in the parrot room. <laughs> Go ahead, do it in the parrot room. I mean, do it whenever yeah. you want. Well, okay, so you think we're not alienating viewers by teasing things that are only in the parrot room? I th- I don't think it's a segment. Bob gets mad at Mickey. Do you think that's a segment that people will be desperate to to tune in for? I don't. I don't think it's very important at all. But okay. I'm not looking forward then to again, it. But go you're ahead. Mickey. Then again, you're beat Mickey. Me up, okay. Beat me up fine, in the bedroom. Beat me up now. Do Speaking whatever you want. Speaking of the parrot room and patreon.com slash parrot room, Mickey, you know, we're not that far from having 500 patrons. I know. A milestone. Here's what, here's what I was thinking. It's kind of a promotional thing. The 500th patron gets Exactly. What? The 500th patron gets to spend a weekend with Mickey Kowski in his luxurious California abode. I what do you think? I think he gets to, they get to come to your undisclosed location. If they can find my undisclosed you, location, you, they are all I will welcome. tell them. <laughs> I will tell them the basic uh, vicinity. So, um, the, um, so anyway, uh, okay. The, the, uh, quickly, some obituaries. You know, we've been doing a lot of this. I think one reason is we are getting to the age where pretty much every week someone that we know dies. Um, and and that, I don't know if you've thought about this, but that bodes ill for us. I try not to think about that. Okay. Anyway, this week, well, first of all, I didn't know Harold Evans. Did you know him or of him? You knew of him. He he was a guest speaker at at a course I took once. He was the editor of the Times of London for a while. Right. He was, um, uh, Made his name with a thalidomide case, I guess. That was a right, crusading and, bit of journalism he right, did. Right, and I believe he was also a very strong, uh, unshakable opponent of Rupert Murdoch. He was at odds with Rupert Murdoch. God bless him. 
And he also married Tina Brown. God bless him for that, too. And he, I believe he's the person who was described in private, I always says, small but perfectly formed. Well, <laughs> Tina Brown, wasn't she editor of Private Eye for a while before they were married? I don't think so. I, she was, oh, she was editor of Tatler. Yeah, big right, difference. Okay. okay, see, I don't know my British things. Um, there you go. Now, other, Stephen Cohen died, the Sovietologist. You didn't know You're that? Kidding. No. Katrina Vandenhugel's husband? Yes. Oh, Jesus. No, I didn't know that at all. Happened. Um, and, you I, know, he, he was, of course, on the left. I thought he always performed the extremely valuable service of helping us understand how things looked from the Russian perspective. Um, he was the, the only person I heard kind of point out, uh, I mean, I mean, I think he was probably right that, um, in the run up to the Ukra- Ukraine trouble, it was really the, the, if I recall correctly, it was the EU that insisted that Ukraine, like, make its decision, like, to belong to the EU would mean total economic divorce, more or less, from Russia, at least in terms of all the, you know, kind of favorable trade relations. In any event, I think the EU made no attempt to work out some kind of special arrangement where, you know, Ukraine could hang on to certain kinds of uh, trade relationships with Russia while easing into the EU or, or, or something. But in, in any event, as you know, Mickey, I think like one of the biggest problems with our foreign policy is we're very bad at understanding how things are viewed abroad and how we are viewed abroad. And I, it's funny, he was, a lot of people in the blob thought that he had gone kind of over the edge and was, you know, was a, a, a Putin, you know, a, some kind of Putin sympathizer who had lost his perspective. I didn't, I don't recall him saying a lot of crazy stuff. I, I thought his perspective, uh, was always valuable here and it was, it was an indictment of the blob how rarely expressed his perspective was. If I, our machinery were working as it should, we would have heard more of the kind of thing he said. I thought, I agree. I thought, I thought that even people in the blob conceded, would have conceded the last decade or so that he had a point that we went too far in trying to wrest Ukraine from the Russian orbit. We were arrogant. We didn't consider what it looked like from Putin's point of view. Uh, uh, we had this sort of post Cold War hubris, uh, you know, in terms of expanding NATO, et cetera, et cetera, that got out of control and wasn't, uh, was suboptimal from even our point of view because it pissed off Putin. I don't uh, and we think should that have listened, is, we should have listened to Cohen. I don't think the blob has taken that on board at all. I, I certainly don't think it's blob consensus. And I don't think many people in the blob have taken it on board. Mm-hmm. I really don't. The person who told me this was a, a Bush appointee, but not a member of the blob. So, uh, you're not free to name the name. No, I'll tell you, uh, finally in person, a lesser known person whom I knew fairly well, Cheryl Schwenninger died. He was 69. This is the second co-founder of the New America Foundation to die like in the last month. Um, there are only, there are only four of them. And by the way, one of them, you just did a thing with Walter Russell Mead. If I were you, I'd keep my distance. I mean, he, uh, uh Walter Russell Mead wrote a, wrote a, um, was very upset when Schwenninger died. Oh, so he talked about it? He tweeted about it. Yeah, Cheryl was, uh, you know, of the Stephen, you know, he, he and Stephen Cohen would have agreed on a lot. Um, 
the uh and Cheryl was as responsible as anyone for the fact that in the early days New America Foundation offered a genuine alternative to the blob on foreign policy. Um it was almost ironic that Walter Russell Mead was a co-founder because uh he does not offer an alternative to the to the blob. Perfectly fine person and his ideas worth considering, but he's he's I, he's blobbish. Um but Cheryl was uh and 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 whenever you know, I had coffee with Cheryl a number of times in New York and um I mean, Cheryl is the reason I was affiliated with New America for a while, but subsequently after I was no longer affiliated, I would see him in New York. Always learned important stuff uh from him. There's some interesting story I haven't tracked down about how what was really that he used to talk about how like the hidden story of Benghazi was the way the whole I forget. You remember when that ambassador was killed and that led yeah. to the Hillary hearings and everything. But um that an important dimension of that was that we were already starting to transfer weapons into Syria from Libya uh uh covertly where God knows they did no no good. Um and uh I don't know that that story's ever been told kind of publicly uh, assuming there's something to it, which I'll bet there is. Um, there, there's something about Benghazi that never added up, and that could be it. I, I think he uh, seemed he seemed pretty. Cheryl seemed pretty convinced. Um. Uh. So, uh anyway, I I never knew about this guy. So funny, you know. It's uh, funny. He's such a funny guy. I'll talk about him more in the pair room because I really liked him, but he was uh. Also, he was from Nebraska, so his foreign policy views kind of grew out of a certain kind of Midwestern tradition. And, uh, he, you would not have guessed to look at him. He was, he was pretty, uh, short of stature and so on, but he was a star high school quarterback. And I saw him throw a football once. He could really throw a football. I will, that's my last word on Cheryl Swinninger. That guy could really throw a football. Um, except for what I say in the parrot room. You know who else is a great quarterback? And a star high school athlete, unlikely. Who? Howard Feynman. I'm not totally shocked. He seems like, a, like kind a, of a super, big guy. super athlete. He seems like a Jewish nerd. What are you talking about? There are some anyway, fine Jewish golfers. He's he's a great athlete, un, unexpectedly. Um, I'm trying to think of fine Jewish so, uh, football players. I I just did a um, I just did a podcast with Walter Russell Mead. I know. I, for the I Hudson said as Institute. Much. Uh, it was great. He was very nice. I did not accuse him of being blobbish, though. I don't know how he would have reacted if I'd done that. But um, he he um, he he has a way of smiling and being affable as he as he makes a point. Did he twist of, the knife in? in your he didn't case? twist the knife. He stuck it in. What was but, the, what was the issue that you disagreed on? Why? I, I I was making my standard pitch for social equality, which is we don't really care about. Oh yeah. The middle class so much as we care about everybody who works having enough to hold their heads up. And so I didn't care if, you know, we had a vast middle class or rich middle class or not much of a middle class as long as everybody had enough. And he said, well, the founders had this other idea of the middle class, which is more than social equality, that it nurtured the qualities you need to, uh, to be an intelligent voter. You have to run your household. You have to do a, a bunch of things. There was sort of 
the sturdy yeoman father, farmer who was the, the basis for our democracy would have been replaced by the sturdy yeoman middle class person. So mm-hmm. I should really be for a middle class. This is a point I had not thought of. So, hmm. uh, I was, it was useful to get, but he didn't say, you idiot, you've never thought of this point. What kind of student of American history are you? He just sort of made his point and moved on. So, so this was after you had already put out your newsletter on the where where your take on social equality was the culmination of your your little essay on meritocracy. I don't know if it was the it was it was after I'd written my little essay on meritocracy. Yes. Hmm. Anyway, but, people should read that in Cal's files, should they not? Uh, yeah, uh, of course. Um, and anyway, I I, I would. Uh, I would look at this podcast. It's short. It's 50 minutes long. Uh, on the Hudson Institute side, it's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's mainly me talking, but he talks quite a bit. So, um, uh, I'd be interested in what you think of it. Um, Cal's Files is the name of the newsletter, uh, at Substack. Can I say something about my newsletter at nonzero.org? Yes. We're hiring somebody, um, and, oh, wait. Hmm. I'm, I'm trying to, uh, figure out how to get them to see the job description. Um, I'll retweet it again, uh, tonight. And so if it'll be near the top of my Twitter feed, you'll find the place to go to the link to see the job description. And, and, uh, if you want to, it's, it's about foreign policy. You should have an interest in foreign policy, knowledge of it. Should be a good writer, but involved, the job involves other things as well. Um, and uh, so go to my Twitter feed if you might be interested. We actually have – I tweeted it, and a lot of people kindly retweeted, so we actually have a lot of applicants. Um, but I still – there's no such thing as too many applicants, is there? Anyway, if you really, no. if you really, really feel uh, deeply motivated, go look at my Twitter feed, at no. Robert Ryder, W-R-I-G-H-T. No blobbers need apply. I wouldn't say that I discriminate on the basis of ideology, but – there may be something to what you're saying. Were you were you bothered that Bloomberg, speaking of discrimination, is paying the the, the uh, fines of convicted felons in Florida, uh, and and it was initially described as only black and Latino convicted felons. They've now backed off that, but um, it's 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 sort uh, of it, it, the more I think about it, the less I like it for two reasons. Yeah. One is that I can imagine. They're being blowback. I mean, I I know I over worry about how the other side will use things that my side does. It's just a tick of mine. But um, in this case, I, it seems to me you could make a case that it's a kind of bribery, right? I, I mean, we know who Bloomberg wants bother, you to vote for. I didn't bother the bribery. I bothered about. I was bothered by the race discrimination aspect. In oh. other words, I don't think you know we don't want people to. Discriminating on the basis of race, that's a toxic distinction in the law. But that's and, no longer part of it, right? Well, they, he's giving it to an organization, and the head of the organization is now running around saying, of course I give it to white people, too. So, yes, they backed off. The initial Washington Post uh, description, I mean, which presumably came from Bloomberg, said they was focused exclusively on blacks and Latinos. Now, I'm sure, you know, I would imagine that the, the population of white prisoners – would include no few Trump voters, right? Well, right. That's what the guys, that's what the, the head of the organization now says, whether or not in practice that's what happens. Hmm. He now says he's for enfranchising a lot of Trump voters too. So 
That doesn't bother me. Um, I, I th- bit- yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I like the idea. I don't think that these uh, now these are former prisoners who the, are because these are prisoners still- who were disenfranchised because they were felons, convicted felons. They lost the right to vote. Right. Florida passed a referendum restoring the right to vote. The legislature, as I understand it, passed a law saying, okay, you restore the right to vote, but before you can vote, you have to pay your fines. A lot of the people are too poor to pay fines. So, but, but to restore their vote, Bloomberg and a bunch of other celebrities like LeBron James are stepping in and saying, we'll pay your fines for you. Well, then I'm in favor of the spirit of what he's doing because I don't, I don't think they should be precluded from voting by the fines, but, uh, I'm not sure about the political wisdom. Um, the, uh, I have Bing. I have some Bing editions. This uh, is Steve, remind us he is the Stephen young, Bing is Stephen Bing is the sorry go ahead. He committed suicide, and you think he's connected to he's, the Epstein thing? Wait, it, 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 Stephen Bing. He's a Hollywood producer, inherited a real estate fortune. Uh, it turns out he was friends with Epstein, and and they've now connected him in a dinner with Jelaine Maxwell over here in in Los Angeles. Uh, uh, so he was part of that crowd, as suspected. My, my, uh, my guess that that's how the police found Jelaine's whereabouts is growing more plausible by the day. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I, I have gotten a little suspicious of this suicide. Um, in part because. You were always suspicious of this suicide. I was always suspicious, but there were a lot of people who said he was depressed, and I buy the, I totally buy in, in, in sort of understand this to be the truth that he was a d- depressive guy a lot of the time. Uh, but, uh, I, there was a Billy Bush report that suicide notes were found. A lot of the mm-hmm. initial reports said there were no suicide reports. Billy Bush said there were suicide notes, but that has got no pickup at all. So I wonder if that really was the case. Uh, people, also people who seemed to be his friends said that they he was not depressed at the time they talked to him. Uh, th- that doesn't mean he wasn't depressed later. But, um, and another friend of, another Epstein-connected person, he, Epstein's personal banker, also committed suicide since Epstein's suicide. So we have two suicides, which is uh, always more suspicious making than one suicide. Uh, and I'm just, I just think that's an open issue. Uh, I, I, I hope that there are good investigative reporters on that case. Uh, uh, it's um, a tragedy either way, but uh, one sort of wants to know. Um, and I think I think there will be clearly more in the Epstein case coming out. I mean, there's the manifest of his plane flights may uh, may be released, which is supposedly many, many, many more names than we already know. They might be released in, in the course of litigation in Britain. Uh, and, um, I, there's this, there are books coming out. I mean, there's a whole lot more we're going to find out about this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you think it will illuminate the Epstein case? Well, the man, the question is how, who was running the vast conspiracy and how big was it? Yeah. And it will illuminate all, both those questions. Yes. It would be and, good and, to know. And the other question, which which I talked about last week, which was, was his fondness for underage women a uh, a uh, essential to the conspiracy? 
or was it sort of a gratuitous quirk of taste of his? And uh, Eric Weinstein said it was a gratuitous quirk of taste, and there are people who say Eric Weinstein is right. I'm not going to argue it. Um, well, it grows so, out. I'm sure it grows out of that. But um, but on the other hand, if if they were using it for blackmail, which I'm 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 not convinced of, um, you know, the blackmail could be more effective if the if some of the women were underage. Um. We didn't actually have to, as we talked about, have to use it for blackmail for it to be worth taping them and having it in reserve as just letting these people know that you join this conspiracy. Right. That, you don't, you don't, you, you join this feminist conspiracy. Yeah. Uh, you're willingly giving us this weapon over you. Right. Could and be. One of the, and if one of those people who joined the conspiracy was Bill Clinton, that's important. If one of them was George Mitchell, who's been mentioned by people, that's important too, but there may be many, many more people who are involved than, than, you know, than those two, yeah. if they are in fact involved. And there are questions about both of them. We could be, I'm not sold on that either, but, um, I don't know. I eagerly await the further it's, evolution it's of, the, of the Ghislaine Maxwell yeah. case. Anyway, the, so the, 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 this big news is new. This, this dinner with Jelaine Maxwell and the fact that he, yes, he was in, in Epstein's orbit. Uh, that's new. Hey, quick, quick hat tip to, uh, the, the power of innovation and questioning conventional wisdom. The guy who won the U.S. Open in, in golf, Bryson DeChambeau, um, like he asked the question, why is it that the shafts of irons are different lengths, right? Like in golf, the clubs you use to hit the short distances, like nine iron, pitching wedge, have shorter right. shafts than the, the clubs you use to hit the longer distances. Control. Well, no, actually, control. it works the other way around. I mean, the longer the club, the harder it is to control. Right. And what he said point. was, wouldn't it be great? You know, I mean, there are two variables, shaft length and then the angle of the head. So... Um, you know, the, the clubs for short distances hit the ball higher, uh, but also the shafts are shorter, so you get less velocity on the club head. So for both of those reasons, the, the ball doesn't go as far. But he said, wouldn't it be, there be an advantage to like having all of them the same length as the seven iron, say? Uh, I guess because, um, uh, for one thing, I mean, a seven iron shaft length is easier to control even if you lose some distance. But I think his main point is then you would just be practicing one motion rather than stand a different distance from the ball, depending on what club you're using. You're always the same distance. It's always the same motion. You practice the one motion. You get really good at it. And he won the U.S. Open. He won the U.S. Open. I, I mean, you golfers have been like going, going different distances for the ball, depending on which club you're using. You That's stand, di- yes, you stand further away from the ball the longer the club shaft and the, and the, and the greater the distance you're going to hit the ball, trying to hit the ball. In my case, I never do anyway. That's insane. But the, the further, the further from the ball you stand because the longer the shaft. And he, cha- he changed all that. He just said, no, it's a, I'm going to take a seven iron length and then, and put all the different club heads on a shaft that long. I'm going to practice that swing. And he won the U.S. Open. This Did is like, actually- does yeah. he actually have the heads? You can screw them on and off. So he only has to buy one shaft and like <laughs> no. and like a bunch of different heads. Now these to guys screw can on. actually afford to buy you know nine, ten, eleven clubs. Some of them, yeah. Don't that's not the obstacle. Um, <laughs> um he, he got more than a million dollars for winning this one tournament, for example. Good for him. No, yeah. that's interesting. It is. Um, 
There's uh, a darker there's a darker side possibly to his victory, but I'll save that for the parrot. Don't do that. That's, you're annoying. <laughs> so that's, you're, that's how we know we're going too far. You're annoying even me. Tell me what the darker side is now. So he's I shouldn't mo- save that? He's mobbed up. No, what, what? You don't want me to save that. That could be killer. I mean, this could bring in another thousand patrons. Okay, okay, okay fine, okay. fine. But, but see, that's the, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. If it's, if it's, if, if he, uh, ver- it's maybe. It's 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 more at the rumor level that maybe I if shouldn't be spreading if widely. If it's libelous, anymore. you should save it for the paradigm. It's we libel not people. Quite, it, it, I would say I would say it in a way that would make it not libelous. We libel people willy nilly in the paradigm. I mean, that's a let's, free fire zone. Let's just say there's been discussion of the fact that he gained twenty pounds in one year and seemed significantly stronger. Aha. Uh-uh. Uh, 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 uh. We're talking Jose Canseco here. <laughs> Jose Canseco is interesting because he is, he does illustrate the fact that, um, one thing the thing we're not mentioning can do for a person is, is create an unprecedented combination of size and speed. We had never seen a guy as big as Jose Canseco who could run as fast, who could steal bases like he stole. That said, I, I, I think the a, amazing I, part is about the length of the shafts. I have <laughs> – um, let's not follow that thought. Um, I have uh, <laughs> I have a, I have a cancel-worthy point about uh, about mail-in ballots made by an, a friend of mine. Yeah. And it was so obviously right and so obviously cancel-worthy that I didn't tweet it, but I can mention it here, which is – Obviously, one of the one of the problems of potential problems of mail-in voting is you don't know was it filled out in privacy. It could be at the dinner table, the you know a father could put it to a vote of his kids. You don't know why he decided how he could hold a gun right? to your head. It, it could be it could be that like his best friend was yelling and screaming at him. It could be right, but the obvious, the most obvious sort of way that there could be a change versus a real secret ballot is husbands are for Trump, the wives are for Biden. In private, the husbands will say, ha ha, I'm mm, glad the little mm. woman's not knowing about this. I'm voting for Trump. Mm. In, if they vote, you know, with their wife, the wife, they value their marital relation more than the vote. They might knuckle under to the wife and vote for Biden. It could work so, the other way, though, right? The, the wife could, it could could conceal her support for Biden. But it could, but is that the way families or, work? Or if you wanted to not be a sexist about it, Mickey, the husband could conceal his support for Biden, or the wife could conceal her right, support but most, for Trump. But the polls show that most of the husbands are for are men are men are wildly disproportionately for Trump, and women are wildly disproportionately for Biden. So the only the only sexist assumption would be that the husbands would knuckle under the wives, as opposed to the wives knuckling under the husbands. And it's just an empirical question, and I bet the answer is. More husbands knuckle under their wives. Not having been married myself, Bob, so you would know the answer to that. It's pretty hard to conceal. I don't think there's much concealing of actual sentiment. I think there's like keeping quiet and choosing not to to respond to things. Right, but it's a question of filling out the actual ballot. Regardless of your sentiment, 
You think a lot of spell, you think a lot see, of spell- honey. See, honey, I'm voting for Biden. Are you happy uh, now? I, I just don't think many people lie to their spouses about who they vote for. But whatever, we'll see. They wouldn't be lying. They would actually be voting for Biden. Look, if you want to lay the groundwork for Trump to uh, disavow or, or refuse to acknowledge the legitimacy of all mailed-in ballots, I, it's free. It's you're free to do that. I just you think. Know, I just yeah. think. Let's let's forget these. For, forget these. Uh, you know these. Weird recherche theories about, you know, people going to old age homes and intimidating the old people and, you know, blah, 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 and focus on the main chance. The main chance is husbands and wives voting in the privacy of their own home. How does it skew the results? The answer is this is a very plausible mainstream way it might skew the results for Biden. Not, imp- not impermissibly, not illegally, but the, the results would be more votes for Biden. Mickey, if we were not at this very moment closing in on an hour and 30 minutes, I would respond devastatingly. But I do think we should think about closing this out, save some energy for the parent no, room so we can no, talk about the dark a side. Don't, don't do that. If you have a devastating response, let's hear it now and then we'll end it. I don't we'll have a devastating response. I just, think, I, just think, look, I just think, look, mail-in ballots are a reasonable thing to do amid a deadly pandemic that has a lot of people, especially older people, terrified, and we're doing it, and it has downsides, and live with it, and Trump is an asshole. And, you know, by the way, just to close this, I mean, so he refuses to do the thing any president worthy of the job would do, just say, yes, there will be a peaceful transfer of power, and then maybe elaborate on your doubts about mail-in ballots, fine, just say yes. In the same week... He, he embraces violence toward journalists, right? He says this thing about Ilhan Omar. Oh, she tells us how to run her country. Uh, well, how come, like, she didn't run her country where she came from so great? Well, A, she wasn't running it. But B, Mickey, you will acknowledge that is playing to racist sentiment, right? That's not too, that's not. The guy is, the guy is, my, my, my question is, Mickey, at what point, I, I mean, Oh, we'll save this for next week. Like, are you really going to vote for the guy? Are you really still I mean, thinking about voting I mean, for the guy? I mean, racism is a big word, Bob. He could easily have said that about a white person. Yeah, but he doesn't. Lithuania. But he doesn't. Well, but that's a different sort of argument than that what he said was racist on its face, which it wasn't. It's Maybe not offensive. racist on its face. It's racist dog whistle. You know it's, he knows what a, that's – you know he knows what they're thinking. Anyway, look, the guy is just so horrible. Can't believe that – It's not a, It's not a, It's not inherently racist or nativist to say people who have only been in the country for a week and a half should, shouldn't lecture us on how to run our country, right? I mean that's – To I say what? To say what? At some point, if people you know just enter the country and, they, and start lecturing – I'm not saying this applies to Omar. Omar is a legitimately oh, elected person. It doesn't. But, so why are you saying it? But it's not inherently racist to play on the, that sentiment. That's you not what he said. He didn't just say she's only been, she hasn't been here long enough. He said, look at the country she comes from, as if she's responsible for the way it's governed. And you know, he's, he's thinking these people love it. They've heard me say African countries are shithole countries and they love that. And that's what they're thinking. Anyway, I'm just saying this is just one week. And, 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 and there are things I didn't even, there's just, it's like a scandal a day. I just, I just heard this uh this guy who wrote this book um White House Inc 
And I, I, time's running out. I won't get into it, but people should listen to the Fresh Air podcast about that. Maybe we'll talk about it now. The corruption, it's just, it's just the corruption, the, the, the divisiveness, the, he's just a horrible, horrible and, and dangerous human being. A horrible human being and a dangerous president, I mean. I'm with you on horrible. I had you at horrible. Let's end on that note of Concord. Mickey, you, you, okay. your friend, your friend keeps insisting that we say, as we should, please folks, rate us and review us. In this case, us actually would be the right show because that's the feed this goes out on, on iTunes or on the podcast app of your choice. Rate us, review us, especially if you are not a patron and feel guilty about that. Not that you should, but you could. Anyway, rate and review us unless this is annoying you, and so you would give us a low rating, then you don't have to. But uh, we never make this appeal. I never make this appeal. Smart podcasters do it every week. We beseech people, do we not, Mickey, to go right to their podcast app or iTunes or whatever. Give us, you know, some stars, more yeah. than one maybe, yeah. and, and, and review us if you have time. Yes. I think all this may be driving up my my temperature here, so. I, I, that would be good news because, as you know, a low temperature can be a, a symptom of COVID. Yes, ninety-seven point seven. I'm out of the I danger zone. I saved your life. I you saved, saved your my life. life. Okay, at least something good came of this. Okay, now on to the parrot room. See you there. See you there. <laughs>